You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, good morning, you beautiful and wonderful people. I just, uh, as I was thinking and preparing for this sermon, I just, I get so excited to bring these words to you. And it's just because I love you and I'm excited to do this with you. I love, I love that I get to share what the Lord is, is speaking over our community and over this house. I love that I get to share it with you. It's such an honor. It's such a joy. Um, you know, this time of year is when all pastors seem to have the same message, right? We're leading up to Christmas. I don't think I, I ever existed in a church during Christmas time where we didn't have like a series leading up to the birth of Jesus several weeks prior. Um, And today will be no different. We're going to talk about Jesus and his birth this morning, but we're going to talk about it because it highlights a simple point. Now, I'm not going to, I don't mean this in a bad way, but we're going to spend very little time on the birth of Jesus because I want it, I want us to, to speak about what it has done for us. And what it means for us today, and that may seem like an obvious answer, but the Lord has brought new revelation. And, and the, some of these are words that we've heard before, but in a new way, and I'm excited for it. So if you'll just go ahead and turn to Luke 2, we'll be in verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 20. We're going to read the birth of Jesus, the start, the beginning of this, of this story that we live in and that we get to be a part of. We're in Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world sh- that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, cloths, and and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds as the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So this, 
I, I said we weren't going to spend a lot of time on this, but I needed to highlight specifically why we're looking at this. This is the start, the beginning, the provision of a promise that had been spoken long and long ago. This was the beginning. This was, this was the beginning of a new day where the Savior Christ would come as he was promised and he would be given as promised. This was a hopeful day that the Jews had been waiting for in long anticipation for a long time. And it had finally started. It had begun. This was the beginning. And in John 1, we'll be kind of all over the place. I've got several scriptures today and they'll be on the screen if you can't get there fast enough. I've got an advantage because I have little tabs so I can get there real fast. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen? In this moment of Luke 2, we see that the light has come. If there was ever a season, looking today, looking at the time that we're in right now, If there was ever a season to talk about darkness less and light more, would it not be today? Would it not be the days that we live in right now to speak of darkness less and speak about light more? I'm I'm making true to my word. I'm jumping all over the place already. Isaiah 8, 16. Bind up the testimonies, zeal and teaching among the disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and protents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony, they will not speak according to this word. It is because they have no, they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look on the earth, but behold, distress and darkness and gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. That's not a very happy verse. So many in this time and in this season have become students of darkness. The days that we live in, we have become students of darkness. And you would think that, okay, what do you mean by that? I'm not talking about you're going to school and you're trying to figure out how to be a necromancer or or, or a witch. And you've got a big pot at, at the house where you're mixing up potions or anything like that. I'm not talking about being a student of darkness in that way. How are we doing this? Well, verse 19, inquiring to things that are not of God. We have in this day, especially in this day, We have inquired things not of our God to give us clarity and instruction in regards to the world around us. We are pursuing information. We are pursuing clarity around social media, around news, around what people have heard, around what people have read. And we're trying to figure out and define the world around us based on these things that are not of God, they are of the world. I have never seen it more in my life. I don't know how many conversations I have heard and they are talking about where the world's going. It's going to hell in a handbasket based on the last story they saw on CNN. That is not the source that you are meant to turn to as a child of God to tell you what is happening in the world. That ain't it. But we have become students of it, the people of God. 
driven and dictated by what the headline says, what the newspaper opens up to, what we get in the mail, what notifications we have in our Facebook thing, notification center. I don't know. I'm bad at that stuff. I don't, it doesn't work well for me. But we are talking so much and focusing so much on the darkness in our world and not the light. And we wonder why people are not coming to be with Christians, coming to church, coming to find God. Because we're speaking and pursuing the same darkness they are speaking and pursuing. We are turning to and we are having the same conversation. Oh, you read that too? Yeah, me too. I believe it too. I'm tossed to and fro by the wind and the waves. I am a doubting mind. And then we wonder why the seats are empty. Who would come to this God? whose children study the same darkness they do. And I'm telling you, darkness, we, we're kind of, whoa, be careful. It's not totally evil. Facebook isn't totally evil. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Grandkids and pictures of grandbabies, that's awesome. That's great. But I don't know how many times I scroll through. I was scrolling through this morning. I love Facebook Marketplace. I'm just going to prop that right now. Facebook Marketplace, you want to sponsor me? I'm in. I love, I love buying things I don't need cool tools. I'm like, I could, I could make a project to fit that tool. So I, I need it. So I do that all the time. Gets me in trouble. But I get on there. The first thing I see is an argument in the comment section. It's, I can't even get to the marketplace button fast enough before I see an argument between people that would say that they are followers of Christ. And what are they arguing over? A cartoon about politics. It's like, oh man, it didn't get any worse than that. Who who wants to turn to these people when they see themselves in these people? They're not meant to see themselves in us. Those without Christ are not meant to see the void of Christ in those that claim Christ. But they have. And in this focus... So funny, I, I, was, I was just listening, I love listening to podcasts and I was listening to one and this guy was like, the focus of darkness is so insane to me because we've, we've, we don't talk about the light, we just talk about the darkness and we pursue the darkness to be our informer and our instructor of what's going on and what we're to do. That's like if in this room, this big old room, there was one stain on one chair and all we did was gather around it and look at that stain, Whew. look at this darkness. Look at how bad it is. And we're just focused on this one tiny little stain on this one little chair. Not lifting our head up to recognize, look at all of these chairs that are unstained. Look at everything in this room that is not contaminated or affected by this one stain on this insignificant little chair. Look at all the light that is to be seen. Look at all the goodness of God that is to be discovered. Look at everything that He is doing. We are not meant to be focused on the darkness, we are not meant to be students of darkness, pursuing and being instructed by it, talking about it. The great thing about the season that we live in, the, the gray being removed, is that the light can finally exist in a place where it is undiluted. Gray is a diluting thing. It dilutes. It's a mysterious thing. I don't really know if that's light or dark. That's what gray is. And now we can see what is light And we can see what is dark, clearly. You tell me, do you see since 2021, or 2020, we're in 2021, since January of 2020 to now, has it become more clear what is of God and what isn't? Yeah, pretty pretty easily. 
It has become more clear. The gray has been removed. The light is not diluted and we can see with clarity. We are not to inquire the dead on behalf of the living. Jesus, our light, the spirit of God, our source. We are children of light. Amen. Amen. So why start this morning with the birth of Jesus? Well, I said he was the beginning. He was the dawn, the dawn of the day ahead, the day that we find ourselves living in now with him. He was the beginning. The day does not start before the dawn. Right back in the day before we had lights and all those things, they could not do anything until the sun began to rise, until the sun began to shine and give light to their day that was ahead of them. Jesus is that light that began to rise, that would give light to the day that was ahead of us, that we get to live in today with him. The, the day the spirit reigns in his people, the day that the, the connection to God and man has been restored. The ministry of reconciliation has been started and it has been passed down to us. We live in that day where we are again, as we were meant to be in the garden, connected back to God. Would you agree with that? We live in that day. Job 38, verse 12. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? Who has ever in this room commanded the sun to rise? Not a one of us. Not a single one of us has beaten the sun and said, you will rise this morning and watched it rise. But how many of us doubt that the sun will rise? Not a one of us. But the thing is, the spirit who dwells in us is that one that makes the sun rise. Right? Just think about that for a second. The one that causes it to rise and causes it to set each and every day dwells in you. Now just hang on with me for a second, but understand that the spirit who dwells in us does this every day. The dawn. What is the dawn? The dawn, if we just look about the dawn... Look at, look at the sunrise in each and every day. It is a promise reoccurring. It is another day given. It is another opportunity for life. It is always there. It's always different. It's always new, unique, and significant. We understand that better here in West Texas. We ain't got nothing in the way because we're holier than everywhere else. We knew how important the dawn was, so we just destroyed everything so we could see it clearly, right? That's their story. We're sticking to it. Amen. I used to love when I first moved here, and I, you know my story, I really hated it here. I did not want to live here, and Sarah and I lived in this place of one foot in, one foot out. This is the stop on the way to the next thing, and we can't wait for the next thing. It's how we lived for three years, uh, which didn't make for, for a good time. It wasn't very fun. There was a lot of turmoil and a lot of strife. But I remember my spirit wanting to be where the Lord was. And I would have this wrestling match every morning when I drove into work because we lived in Leveland at the time because uh, that was all that was available. And I would drive in on, on 385 or 303, whichever road I was taking. I would come into town and every morning that sunrise, it was pulling me here because it does not get any more beautiful than West Texas skies, Right. It, it just doesn't get any more beautiful. And that sunset is just as breathtaking and awe-inspiring. It is beautiful. The dawn is a beautiful thing. 
and it is a promising, a promise reoccurring. And we get to carry that dawn. Because as Jesus was the dawn of the promise, we carry Jesus with us. Again, hold on with me for a second so that you can see where we're going. We carry the dawn. If a person comes into this church and or encounters you outside of this place, they should encounter the dawn in you before they see it for themselves. What am I talking about? They should encounter the Son of God, the promise, the faithfulness of Jesus, which is that dawn, that baby born in a manger. They should encounter all that was held in that moment when they encounter you, should they not? Because all that was held in that moment is the faithfulness of God, the presence of God, the goodness of God that is pursuing his people and has been pursuing you every day of your life. Should they not encounter that dawn in you when they, when they come across you? They should. They should encounter that dawn. What should they encounter specifically? I said we're having a Wednesday night series uh, that's coming up starting on the 5th. We're going to talk about these six things, but we're just going to hit them really fast We're going to go in depth on this Wednesday night series, but what should they encounter? They should encounter this first thing, that God is good. You tell me the first time you encountered God, did that belief not, was that not the first thing that you knew to be true when you encountered Jesus for yourself? He is good. The second thing that they should encounter is that nothing is impossible. How many people do you know that feel unworthy, unable to be forgiven, unable to be mended, unable to be restored because of things that they have done? We know so many. How many of us were in that place? He can't restore what I've broken. He can't restore my life. So they should encounter in us the exact opposite. Nothing is impossible. God is good and nothing is impossible. They should encounter this reality and this fact that Jesus has won absolute victory. Jesus has come. He died one death for all that none of us would ever have to taste the sting of death. That we could always live into eternal life, living with the presence of God now and into eternity because of Jesus and his absolute victory. We talked about this in Sunday school. Where in the world does it know besides Jesus absolute victory? There is not a single place in history where absolute victory has ever been won. Not a single time. Because that would require the complete annihilation and removal off the face of the earth. And you can't do it. There is never absolute victory. There is only absolute victory in Jesus. He is the only one that produces absolute victory. And we are children of absolute victory. We live in the day of absolute victory. We were talking about this and the Lord just gave me this vision. The enemy is walking around in chains. He has no power except the power we give him. But for some reason, we tend to go and stand next to him and act as we are as if we are also in chains. We're the ones free and we see it reverse. He's free and I'm bound. Not true. You are children of absolute victory. You have never known a day where chains have been on you. We have known hard times and dark times, but it has not been of God's doing because you have been born of victory. Whether you knew it or not, you have been born a victory. The fourth thing that they should encounter is that they are significant. The thing is, is you have to recognize this reality that I cannot give away what I do not have. So you have to recognize that you are significant, not special. Such a dumb word to describe a person. You're special. It's it's an insult. My dad says that to me when I mess up. I say the wrong word in a sentence. He said, you're so special. Like, I don't feel good when you say that. You're smiling like I should feel good. I don't want to be special. I want to be significant. 
Because the reality is there is only one of you that will ever be and ever has been and will ever come. And for some reason, you get to exist in this present day. You are unique and you are significant. How many people feel so unworthy, so worthless, not that there is no value in them at all? It is, it is a plague across this land that there is no value in them. But they are significant. Not of their own accord, but because they are connected to a body of Christ that gives them purpose. Gives them identity. Right? This finger by itself is useless, but when it is connected to the body, it is an individual member of this body, and it is profound what it can do. You are significant. Fifth thing, there are mysteries yet to be discovered. New depths. Depths of God that we have not understood. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Praise God for that. I do not want a God that my simple peanut mind can comprehend. That's not a God that any of us should be interested in. We want a God that the mysteries of him will continue on. I want every day of my life to discover new depths of God and then every day of my children's lives to discover new depths of God and every day of their children's lives to discover new depths of God. That's the design of God. Thank God that he is so big that he can hold the world in his hand, but he can also exist within you. Can't comprehend it. That is a mystery. And the last thing is that he is here. These are foundational truths, as I said earlier in the announcements. Just as the dawn is a foundation, a foundational truth to the day ahead, these are foundational truths and it was, I was sitting there and I was thinking about all these things as the Lord was highlighting them and laying them out. It's like, how could a person experience all of that when they encounter me? It's like, that's not yours to worry about. You just carry the presence of God. And for some reason, we think that in these places of encounter that we have to talk about God in order for any of this to be true when we encounter someone at the grocery store, at the school, at a football game, whatever. No, right? That famous quote, the Lord will use you and I don't remember it. I'm butchering it right now, but you'll get it. Um, He'll use you and sometimes he'll ask you to speak, right? Sometimes he'll ask you to open your mouth. He doesn't need, he doesn't require words. He doesn't require you to speak. He doesn't require you to give a sermon. He just requires you to exist as as he has called you to exist and recognize the presence that's in you. And when people encounter that presence, they will recognize that God is good. Nothing is impossible. Jesus has won absolute victory. There are mysteries. You are significant and he is here. They should encounter all of those things because that is the dawn and we have been called to awaken the dawn in others. The dawn always has come and always will come. And as I was reflecting upon Jesus and the significance of his coming, I realized I don't want to waste this time talking about the darkness. The opportunity of this hour in history It's to show people the dawn, that we would awaken the dawn of promise that is for them, in them. And we would not waste our time speaking of darkness. We would not waste our time toiling over darkness. We are to give testimony of light, awakening the dawn in those around us. Testimony. When was the last time you gave testimony to strangers of all the goodness and wonderful things that were happening in your life? So many of us get into this pattern of just talking and sharing the heavy laden things. I don't know how many times I've had a conversation with a person and I almost want to get out of the conversation because, hey, how are you doing? I'm all right, I guess. It's like, all right. 
Because that's always the answer I'm going to get. Because they're always in a place of, my life is just really hard. It's like everything's, there's difficulty in every single day. But why are you focusing on the stain and not recognizing the light that's in the rest of the room? Why do we do that? We, the children of God, give so much testimony to darkness and we give so little testimony to light. So often, and I'm not asking you not to be honest, when you're struggling, you're struggling. But the thing is, is there still not light in those struggles? Does God work all things for the good of those who love him or not? Then that should be evident in every moment of every day. When I open my mouth, it should be testimony of light that comes out. Even in my worst day. My hardest day. With the toughest loss. That should be what exists out of my mouth. But why is it not, church? In this day especially, when there is darkness and there is light, and those are the only two things because He has, in His goodness, removed the gray that they could see Him clearly, why are the children of God still administering and speaking and studying darkness? That which is not of Him. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what mean comments somebody said on your Facebook profile. Why do you... Stop being a student of darkness. You are called to awaken the dawn in those around you and you will not ever do it as long as you study and inquire with the demons and the necromancers to give you the clarity of what is happening in your world. When was the last time a stranger that did not walk with the Lord gave you clarity to what was going on in your story? It's not ever happened. I'll just give you a hint. I know this part to be true in your story. I don't know every detail, but I know this part to be true. It has never happened. Because you are a son and daughter of light. And he is the one that defines your days. But we have turned to things that are not of him. And we have been given testimony to things that are not of him. Our, first, our focus first has to be the light. Our source has to be the light. That we could reflect light in all things. Our worship Our worship has to reflect this light. Our worship is to be testimony of light. It's an opportunity for us to sing with nothing held back, to sing of the light that the Lord has brought into our story and the light of things that He is doing around us. Psalm 108, verse 1. Put it on the wrong page. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with my being. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. With our singing and worship, we can awaken the dawn in this community. You wonder why worship is such an uncomfortable topic then in the church. But I tell you what, and I don't care if you're uncomfortable. You be uncomfortable in those cozy seats. You look at a church that worships unabandoned, you you will see a people that live free in a community that experiences freedom. You want to feel something lifeless? I'm telling you right there, you can tell a lot about a church when you walk in and you encounter their worship. You can tell a lot about a church. I remember in in Houston, there's this big, awesome church. It was the new thing. They had all the cool social media accounts, all the hipsters. Everybody wore skinny jeans and beanies year-round in Houston. 140 degrees outside, but I got my beanie. And you would walk into that worship. It's like, the presence of God is not here. And they were dancing. 
They were cartwheeling all over the place. And their fog machines and their crazy lights, and those are really cool. I've gotten to worship with those things. Those are fun. But that is not the source of worship. It has become an emotional experience that we've tried to create for people. Or a comfortable experience that we've tried to create for people. Where does the Lord promise in this walk of obedience that you are to be comfortable? In His goodness, we get comfort. His blessings are comfortable. Sometimes. Sometimes they're uncomfortable. And they're still blessings. Children, they're blessings. Not always comfortable. They push us. They press us. But we, all, we, we live in comfortable places. We live in America. We live in Texas. We live in a great place. And we, we all have nice houses we get to live in. We get beds that we sleep pretty good on for the most part. We have comforts. And the Lord's not saying you need to abandon all that and walk in your sackcloth. It's not what I'm saying. But we have made the things of God to fit the comfort of our lives. Worship was not ever meant to be comfortable. And so I would challenge you with this. If someone walked in, would they encounter the dawn in our worship? Can you confidently say yes? I'm not trying to offend, but if you're offended, the Lord offends the heart to reveal, or the Lord offends the mind to reveal the heart. We are meant to worship in freedom. And our worship, as it says in Psalm 108, we have the power to awaken the dawn in the places that we dwell. Because the sons and daughters of light decided to sing praises to their king. So what part in that? Recognizing that truth makes us want to withhold any part of ourselves to full engaging life with Jesus. Because you are meant to awaken the dawn. We have the opportunity to awaken the dawn in this community simply by worshiping. And not just by musically worshiping, but they should see our lives and see it as an offering of praise and worship to King Jesus. Should they not? I'm not just talking about the musical moments because worship is so much more than music. Jay, several years ago, this is his story to tell, but I'm going to steal a little bit of it, was meeting with worship pastors in Lubbock. And he asked them this question that very clearly offended their minds and revealed their heart. Would you be obedient if the Lord asked you not to play or sing a single song on a Sunday? And they could not wrap their minds around it. No, that's, that's, the Lord wouldn't ask me to do that. Then you don't understand worship. Is obedience worship? Yes. It absolutely is. And there have been times where we have had more sermons than we have had songs sung in this church. And there have been times when it has been more about the songs that we're singing than it is about the word that is to be brought. Because the word was being brought in the music that we were playing. So it's not about any of that. But we cannot worship in fullness and awaken the dawn not only in ourselves but in the world around us. And live a life that awakens the dawn of those around us. That they would encounter all that they were meant for. We can't be selfish in this. Just because we're saved and we get to experience heaven on this side of, the, of, of heaven, on this side of the sacrifice of Jesus, just because we get to get it does not mean we're the only ones that get to get it. We're meant to share it. We're meant to display it. We're meant to awaken it in others. And we are meant to sing. I, I had this vision last week and I shared it. And, and singing that Shout to the Lord song. Um, as we were singing, I saw an awakening in the community. At, just because we were singing. 
And we've had several conversations about this, but just because we were singing and because in a moment, whatever it looked like, the Lord had every part of your heart and every part of your being. And in that place, he was awakening the dawn in others. He was awakening the promise that was for you and is for them. He was awakening it in others. It is our job, children of light, to awaken the dawn in those around us. There will always be a dawn. And Jesus came that we would awaken it in others. But first, it has to be awake and active in you, children of light. How is that possible? We do not engage with the things of darkness. But we recognize and we walk in the fullness of who God has called us to be, which is children of light. I do not care what's going on outside. I don't. I desire for the Lord to define it, not for me to define it based on what I see. Because how many times have you found yourself to be correct when you saw this little glimpse into somebody's story and you began to define it? That would never work out well. You You will always be wrong. And how many of us would have known that the Lord was doing all this shaking to remove the gray had we not turned to him to ask him, define to us what we are seeing. And he said, I'm removing the gray. So now the shaking that we see in in, uh, places and foundations that we have put our trust in that were not of God like government, all of those things are shaking. All of them are shaking. Everything is shaking. Even in this community, one of the things that we held on a pedestal was that school. How many remember 2020 and the shaking that took place in that? A lot of shaking. Because that is not the place that is meant to be the heartbeat of this community. It's the people of God and God himself that is to be the heartbeat of this community. And every entity that exists within it is to reflect that heartbeat. That is not fair to put that on the school. They're an organization of people here to educate. But the Lord put us that we would be in the world, not of it not to conform to it, that we would be leaders and pioneers in our community, walking with our community, leading them into the new depths of God as we discover them for ourselves. That is not schools, that's not their identity. That's not their job. And so they shook. And our community realized that place is not perfect. And it's full of imperfect people. I remember when I moved here, I was like, man, this school, this is crazy. No wrong can be done here. It's like, what? This is a public school in the state of Texas. That's not how that works. It's full of imperfect people. It is not meant to be the pedestal that they stand on. That's not for them. It's for the people of God, the authorities that has been given to us. It has not been given to other entities. It's been given to us. And we saw that in the shaking of the gray. The Lord defined, all this to say, the Lord defined what we would be seeing. That when everything around us started to shake, we would not be shaken because we know what we're looking at. But the thing is, is if everything starts to shake and you begin to grab onto those very things that are shaking, you too will shake. And that is not meant for you. You are not meant to be students of darkness. You are not meant to inquire of things that are not of God. You are meant to be those that awaken the dawn in the world around you. So I don't want to hear any more testimony of darkness. I want to hear the testimony of light. And I'm not saying that you need to sit there and try to rattle your brain of what testimony of light. The Lord hasn't shown me anything new or 
I haven't had any crazy, profound story where somebody was lame and they got up and walked. That's not what I'm talking about. Look around your life right now. It should be just as this room is. There may be one difficult staying on this chair, but the majority of your life is full of light. You have beautiful children. You have beautiful friends. You have a beautiful life. You live in America. You live in Texas. There are, you have breath in your lungs. If you're having a hard time, I'll give you one. You're alive. That's, a, that's light. That's a great reason to be joyful and rejoice in the Lord and to give testimony. What did the Lord do for you today? He gave me breath. And I will not use it to pursue that which is not of Him. I will use it to awaken the dawn in others. Amen? Jesus was the first of us. He is our brother. We are co-heirs with Christ, meaning he is the first of us, not meant to be the last of us. So if he awakened the dawn in those around him, then we are meant to do it as well. He is the dawn. And we're meant to awaken it in them that they would know, that they would encounter as you did, that God is good. Nothing is impossible. Jesus won absolute victory. You are significant. There are mysteries and he is here. Amen. So I pray that we would go into this holiday season recognizing that he came and he died, that we could live on this side of the grave, in the victorious side of the grave, not that we could just experience the dawn for ourselves, but that we could awaken it in others. And that would people encounter you in their life or that they come in here or they may be sitting in their homes, but we're about to sing that the dawn would be awakened in them. That is what you are created to do is awaken the dawn in others because you carry the presence of God in you. Amen. Come on now. I'll start over. And we'll go through this again until you believe it. I've got the microphone. Jay's really good at playing the piano. He's got great endurance at it. He'll play for a couple hours. You are meant to awaken the dawn in others. Amen. That's right. It means yes. It means let it be. So I pray that it would be immediately for you in your days ahead. And that this Christmas season, you would recognize that this beautiful, this beautiful baby Jesus that came and lived a life only to be slain, knowing very well what he was here to do. He was here to die. That we would live on this side of victory. And that we would, live, we would awaken those to this side of victory as well. That they would not know the sting of death. But that they would walk with us into eternity. Into heavenly places. Not when we die, but now. They could encounter and go into heavenly places with us. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.